production. Do you ever look at some business names and think, really, is that the best they could do? Or maybe you're a business owner struggling to come up with a name for a new product, service, or brand. Well, today we speak to a world-leading naming specialist who shares her extremely well-tested approach to creating names that stick. It's episode 554 of the 12-year-old, award-winning, and some may say poorly named, Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls, to take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of name-calling marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner, and you are so ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that, my friends, is exactly why this podcast exists. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D, dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Alexandra Watkins is the author of one of Inc. Magazine's top 10 marketing books, cleverly titled, Hello, My Name is Awesome. She's also the founder of Eat My Words, a creative naming agency behind names such as Burger King's Mac and Cheetos, the travel makeup kit Dash, like that name, and Wrigley's Alert Chewing Gum. Other clients include Coca-Cola, Google, and Amazon. So clearly, Alexandra knows what she's doing when it comes to naming things. So if coming up with names that stick for your business has eluded you, and what you're about to find out is it's never too late, then you're going to love what Alexandra shares, including the biggest naming mistakes, the fact that it's never too late to change your business's name, or is it? The highly effective process she charges a lot of dough for to generate new names, her smile and scratch test for evaluating a great business name, how to narrow down a long list of names, plus Alexandra kindly reviews a whole lot of names that small business big marketing Facebook group members have put forward. I started off by asking her, why is a name important? Well, your name is the first thing that people see when they come in contact with your business. They either see it Maybe they see it on a store shelf, on your name tag. Maybe they hear it from on, on your show. Maybe they hear it when somebody's talking about your company. Or uh, maybe they read it on social media. Um, so it, it's, it can appear so many different ways. And it's, you know, we always hear about making a good first impression. Your name is what makes that first impression. So it is really important that it it works and it works well. So I do love a good name, whether it be a business name, a product name, a brand name, a promotion name, whatever it is. I do love a good name. However, my listeners will have heard me say in the past it's the energy that you put behind the name that you come up with that's imp- important because Apple used to be a piece of fruit and now it's one of the biggest companies in the world. I wouldn't say it's, pro- it's not a great name, but th- it's the energy that they've put behind it and the products that they've created that makes it a great name. What do you think of that point of view? I think you're spot on and I'm so glad you said that it's not a great name. It's not a particularly great name, but it's a name that we're all familiar with. You know, it's a word we're familiar with. It's what's called an arbitrary name because Apple doesn't have anything to do with computers. But it's a name that people have come to love because it is synonymous with their products. So that's what people need to learn to be able to separate is the name from what's behind the name. But when you're starting out, look, Apple, we know, like Google or Nike, they're, they're an anomaly, right? How many companies are really going to be that big? When you're starting out, you can't just go into it thinking you're going to be that company. It's great if you have aspirations to be that way. But when you're start starting out, you don't want to give yourself any disadvantages because your name needs to work super hard. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, I guess if you put the effort in and you'd come up with a great name, then, you know, your marketing efforts have a head start, if you like. Oh, huge, huge. Wow. I'm like, I love everything you're saying. (laughs) You're saying exactly what I say. It's true, though. It's true. Like, you have a huge head start. Like, we named a frozen yogurt franchise Spoon Me. And people love the name Spoon Me before they'd even tried the yogurt. So, I mean, if you can get somebody to love your brand and have an affinity for it before they've even tried your product, you are winning. Well, let's start Let's start in the negative space. What, what are the mistakes? What are the biggest naming mistakes people are making, business owners are making? The biggest one that people make is having a name that's not spelled exactly how it sounds. And this all started with the, you know, desperation to find an available domain name. So people were spelling things weird ways or spelling them maybe phonetically how they sounded. And so what happened is companies would spell a name, either just a ridiculous spelling like a Species, which was this organic baby clothing company, and it was spelled S-P-E-E-S-E-E-S. And they explained their name on their website by saying, and this is, it's so silly, uh, species is spelled like that because that's how babies would spell species if babies could spell. I mean, that's ridiculous. And there's so many companies that have to work backwards like that. And they realize, you know, they're they're in such a hurry to get get a name. They buy the domain name. They say, this is the name of our company. And they're not thinking it through. Yeah, the minute you have to explain your name on your website, clearly you are on the wrong train. Yeah, Anytime you have to explain your name, you're essentially apologizing for it. And when you apologize for it, you devalue your brand. So if you have to explain what it means, if you have to explain how it's spelt, if you have to explain why on earth it's called that. How it's pronounced. How it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. You have have made a very big mistake. Any other naming mistakes people make, Alexandra? Everybody starts in the same place, which is the wrong place. At GoDaddy or a domain name registrar. Nothing wrong with GoDaddy, love them. But most people think you have to have an available domain name. It's not true. You need to have a domain name that's available, but it doesn't necessarily need to match your company name exactly. So for instance, there's a online business called NAC, N-A-C-K-N-A-C-K, just like it's spelled NAC. And it is tutoring. You can either be tutored or be a tutor. And their website domain is joinnac.com, which is perfectly fine. And it's a nice call to action. So they didn't let the fact that knack.com wasn't available or was prohibitively expensive, whichever it was, stop them any more than uh, Elon Musk was he had Tesla, he wasn't the founder of Tesla, but he lived with the domain name teslamotors.com for 13 years before he ponied up and bought tesla.com. A a lot of your listeners may remember that Dropbox for years was getdropbox.com, Basecamp was basecamphq.com. And by the way, both of those companies had you know, millions of users while they had, you know, imperfect domain names. So, you know, don't let a, the lack of a domain name roadblock you. There's always ways around it. Okay, so what we learned there was one of the mistakes business owners make is they go off to the domain name registrar to find whether the domain name is available and that drives what name they come up with with for their business, which is flawed. What you're saying is you can add things, you know, from a domain name point of view, you could have, you know, a verb in front of the name you like, like join um, or uh, a noun like HQ after the name that you mm. come up with, these are all valid things. Okay, so what you've what what, what we've learned there is you, you don't have to your business name doesn't need exactly to, to match your domain name. What about all your social media handles? Does do they need to match your business name? No, I mean good luck with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
you have to get really creative there. Nobody expects you to have all of that anymore, any more than they expect you to have an exact match domain name. So it's it's hard to get your name on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Okay, so the the obsessive compulsiveness in me just needs to understand though. If you've got, let's use Basecamp, Basecamp as an example. So Basecamp is the business name. Their domain name is Basecamp. It was Basecamp HQ. Therefore, Correct. are all their social media handles Basecamp HQ? Is that the best outcome? I don't know what their social media handles are. Doesn't matter what they are, but in theory, what would you be recommending? Well, let's use Dropbox instead. Because I'm not a fan of HQ. Just because I, I don't think HQ is very common. Um, and Q is also the hardest letter to type on a keyboard, probably next to, it's like you, you use the pinky finger to type in with. Um, Dropbox. So if, I don't know what their, do, their domain names are. I mean, what their uh, social media handles are. But Get Dropbox was great. So they could be Get Dropbox for their Twitter, their Facebook for everything else. Yeah, if you can keep it consistent, but it, it's so hard these days. I don't even know what's available, but I'll tell you this. We have a client who just got a, they must have paid a small fortune for the domain name that they did get because it's an exact match domain that clearly a lot of people are using on social for various things and they can't get any of the ones that they want on social. So I think with social media, once people find you, they find you, they follow you, and then that's it. And if people really want to find you, they'll find you. You mentioned species as an example of a bad name that you've come across. Could you just humor us with a few more? Oh, my God. Do you ha- how long do we have? <laughs> um, one of the words, <laughs> I call these names head scratchers because they make people scratch their head. Uh, this one is spelled X O B N I. Any idea how to pronounce that or what I'd it means? I probably pronounce it X O B N I. That's how I'd pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, it's Zobni, and it's inbox spelled backwards. Oh, that's just—it's not even funny. Yeah, no one, no one knows that. People don't intuitively spell things backwards. No, that's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. Um. Another one. God, there's so many. There's so many. Okay. Well, this is a really, this one's really bad. This is a chocolate company and it's spelled T-C-H-O. To Cho. It's pronounced Cho, but just seeing T-C-H-O, you might not know that. It it looks a little bit like, it could be like techno with some letters left out. But yeah, Cho, but if, if I were telling you, oh, when you come to the Bay Area in San Francisco, you've got to go to Cho Chocolate. They give factory tours. I'm just making this up. Um, but you, you're hearing, when I say Cho Chocolate, you're hearing C-H-O in your mind. You're not hearing T-C-H-O. And then when you ask Siri, hey, Siri, get me the address for Cho Chocolate, she's going to hear C-H-O as well. That's another consideration, isn't it? As we enter the world of voice prompts and, you know, Siri and Alexa. Alexa. And these, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> have, you, have you set her off? <laughs> yeah. I knew that was going to happen. I knew. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Alexa, stop. Oh my gosh! She's still going. I've actually had you know, you know a few years ago. I shared the stage with Karen Jacobson in a, at a conference in uh, at Disneyland Convention Center, and Karen is Siri. So I've actually shared a stage with Siri, and she's just moved back to Australia. Oh my I'm gonna gosh! Have her back on the that's stage. so cool. So, anyway, I digress. Um, let's talk about good brand names. You are all for names that stick or sticky names. What do you mean by that? So I have this evaluation criteria for telling if a name is strong or weak and it's called the smile and scratch test so sticky sticky is kind of a combination of the acronym of smile which is suggestive memorable it has imagery legs and makes an emotional connection but sticky i think the most important thing in sticky is is it memorable so what makes a name memorable and what what makes anything memorable and it's if something is familiar and it's it's already in our existing knowledge base. So for instance, we have a bike lock here called Kryptonite. 
And we all know kryptonite repels Superman. Well, if it repels Superman, it must repel bike thieves as well. So because we already have familiarity with kryptonite, that makes that name easy to remember. Love that. What a great name. Yeah, it's a great name. It's one of my favorite names. You talked about the smile and uh, what was it? Smile and scratch test. Smile so and this, scratch, this is a yeah. cri- these, these are the criteria that you use to determine whether a name is any good. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Should we maybe go through that at the end? Because I want you first to share your process for coming up with a great name. So maybe smile and scratch test we can sort of cover later in our chat. Is that is that a is that Yeah, good that's use fine. Of- we've already yeah, we've already gone through we'll go through a little bit here and there, but yeah, absolutely. And it's it's by the way, for anybody that can't listen to the end, it is on the at eatmywords.com. Eat my words is my company. Um on our website, on the homepage, you can test the strength of any brand name and that will walk you through the smile and scratch test. You type in your name and then it will ask you a series of questions about the, about your name and it's essentially will walk you through the 12 uh, points of the test. Yeah, it's a, I've got I've done, I've been through it myself. It's excellent. Is it there are business owners listening? I'm, I imagine the majority are listening thinking, well, I've already named my business. Um, is it too late to go back? and apply what I'm about to learn from Alexandra or am I stuck with a name that I hate? Well, don't ever get stuck. I mean, the way I tell people to think about their name is how long is your company going to be around? Uh, We just renamed a bank that's more than 100 years old because they plan on being in business more than 100 more years. So... It's never too late to change your name. If you if your brand has so much equity and is really ingrained in people's minds and it's a good, solid name, by all means, you can keep it. But most people don't have nearly as much equity in their brand name as they think they do. So it's kind of, a, it would be good to find out. But, you know, if you have a name and you don't want to change it, you can always strengthen it with a tagline. Um, that's probably the easiest thing to do. But on eatmywords.com, you can see some great examples of before and after names if you click on our name portfolio. Uh, and that might inspire you to to change your name. A lot of times people think, well, I don't... Because people that want to change their name, the reason they do is they're, they're stuck with it. They feel that there's you know, oh, nobody can spell it. People pronounce it wrong. Um, my emails always get bounced back because of, yeah, spelling errors or I have to explain it all the time. So, you know, if it's causing you that much frustration for the amount of time it takes and it will cost a little bit of money to rebrand, um, it's well worth it in the long run to not have to deal with all of those obstacles. I think it's a great point you make that, you know, as business owners, we have we are most invested in our business name. We think it has much more equity in the minds of our customers and prospects than it actually does. So that's quite reassuring to go, okay, well, I'm actually the one who thinks my name's the best in the well, not the best in the world. You wouldn't change it if you thought that, but I'm the one who thinks that my name is so enmeshed in in my prospects and customers' minds that I can't change it. You can. Um, there is an expense, of course, changing stationery and logos and branding and all that stuff. If it adds up and makes sense to you, then you know it's it's never too late. What are some examples, Alexandra, that you, you of before and afters that you've got on your website? Uh, one that I really like is it's a name of a women's entrepreneur association. This is a professional organization for women up in the Bay Area near San Francisco. And it was called the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs and Executives, uh, abbreviated to FWE&E, which was, you know, a mile long, a mile long and a mouthful. And we uh, changed our name to Watermark, and it was all about women making their mark, rising to a higher level. The name has great legs. They have an award every year called the Women Who Have Made Their Mark Awards. Uh, So that was one that I particularly liked. Another is a dating website. Well, it was a dating app where you could go into your... They would have to give permission, but your friends on Facebook could give you permission to hook up to this app and then it would comb your friends' friends for their single friends and then it would uh, kind of show you those people as, you know, one degree of separation away. And so the 
woman that founded this site had called it, or this app, Cherry, or they, she had called it Rendezvous, but it was spelled R-N-D-V-S or something. It, it was missing a lot of vowels. And uh, we renamed it Cherry Pick because it was all about cherry picking the best of the bunch. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, so um, robotics company that were originally helping doing robotic dishwashers for restaurants, and they were going to be called Bistro Robotics, but then they realized they should really be thinking bigger and going into commercial kitchens and like huge hotel restaurants like in Vegas that wash 10,000 dishes a day. So we renamed it from Bistro Robotics to Dishcraft, like Witchcraft, um, Dishcraft Robotics. How important is a tagline? I've got this view on taglines, which is basically if your name doesn't explain what you do, then you need a tagline. But if your name is self-explanatory, like the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, kind of says what it does on the pack, doesn't yeah. need a tagline. Doesn't what, need a tagline. What role yeah, is tagline? Yeah, you have good, you have good instincts. You have really good instincts. Yeah, I think that you're right. If your name says what you do, like yours does, you don't need a tagline. If your name, if you're trying to position yourselves in the marketplace, like against competitors, maybe a tagline's good. But a tagline can't really save a terrible name. It can certainly help. But you ha- it really helps if you have a name that lends itself to having what I call legs. That's the L in smile, meaning that it lends itself to wordplay and a theme. So we named a popcorn a gourmet popcorn store, Pop Psychology. And their tagline that we did is uh, crazy for popcorn because it ties in with psychology, right? Crazy. So that's where you can really have fun with the tagline is where you're playing off of the name, but it doesn't depend on the name. All right, that's nice and clear now. I want to embark on your process of coming up with a sticky name. Now, to be clear for those listening... When we talk about names, we are talking about a business name. It could be a brand name, a product name, a service name, the name of a promotion. I'm sure Alexandra's process even applies to naming your dog or, or next child, but we won't go there today. <laughs> we'll just we'll keep it in the business realm, Alexandra, if that's okay. It, do you have one process that you share in order to come up with sticky names or are there a number? Every process starts at the same place. They all end up at the same place. It starts with the same foundation. It ends with a great name, but there's a few different um, ways that we can go about it depending on how many decision makers are involved and high level, how high level it is. But the basics are this. You need to start with what's called a creative brief. That's where it's, it's like a roadmap for your brand. So you're going to, and this is in my book, Hello, My Name is Awesome. It's, it's also in my, I have a new online course, How to Create Super Sticky Brand Names. And uh, the creative brief, you'll find in both. It's, uh, it's going to ask you to, you know, talk about your brand, what's your brand personality, who's your target audience, what are some themes you might like to explore in your name. So it's really you're really just putting in all the information, all the ingredients that are going to go into your brand name. And this roadmap will kind of keep you on course. So if you're coming up with names that are playful, but under brand personality, you have, you know, serious, then you know that you're off course. So the brand name, the creative brief will keep you true. So the creative brief is where we start. Uh, Every client fills one out. And then we have a kickoff meeting where we go over the brief, we ask a bunch of questions, bounce around some name ideas, just seeing, you know, what our clients are reacting to. Can I just ask a question there? Because that uh uh, that creative brief process is important, but if someone's listening to this, they're gonna probably be going through this process by themselves, not with a naming agency. But you still need the name you you still still need need a naming brief. And, And the way I look at that brief, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it removes all subjectivity. It gives you something objective to keep referring back to, to to answer the question, am I on or off brief? Correct. That's all really, really accurate. And, and you have an excellent understanding of it. It 
the reason, and a lot of people that I help, like especially people that take my course, they are solopreneurs, but it keeps them, it makes them really focus on the name instead of, because you know when you're starting a business, there's so many different things you're thinking about, but the brief is all about your name. And, and you really want to think hard about it. It's going to, you know, no other investment you make in your business will last longer than your name. So, you know, nothing will get used more than your name. So you really do want to think pretty deeply about it. But in the brief, once you do have all of that information, it can really help you go in the right direction. And then what we do and what anybody doing on this on their own can do is go through the brief and look for concepts and start playing around with those words related to concepts. Um, so, so let's say you were naming a new microchip. And so it's some, one of the themes there is things that are fast, right? It's, it's fast. It's a product attribute. So then you could go on, for instance, uh, a stock photography website and type in the word fast and then you would see lots of pictures of things that are fast, and that could give you some great metaphorical names. I believe that a picture says a thousand words, and that's why we use the internet all the time to come up with ideas because it's just this amazing repository of stimulation for creative ideas. I love that. So, and that's probably what Kryptonite did when they were trying to name their padlock, their bike lock. So, you could go to a stock photo library or you could just go into Google Images and key in. So, what you're saying is identify key words or themes that are part of the value proposition of this business or product or service that we're naming and then key those into your Google Images or stock photo library and you'd have a wealth of ideas already. Yeah, that's so true about kryptonite. Like they could have typed in tough, right? And maybe, or things that are tough, you know. And, you know, it's not always stock photo libraries. Just Google on the internet. Like I'm always finding things just typing in, typing in, I call it Google storming, just asking Google different questions and just looking at lists. I'm always looking at, you know, words and skimming. And I never know when something's going to pop out at me, but look for for different, for parallels, right? That's where I, I find my ideas. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so creative brief, highlight words or themes, go searching for imagery that reflects those and you might come up with a name. What else? Uh, you know, thesaurus is a great place to start. Just trust me, just go there, even if you think you know, like, well, I know what this word means and related words. There's going to be more words, and the internet will just lead you down, you know, more rabbit holes, um, which is great when you're naming things, because you'll just find ideas in places that you weren't expecting them. So just keep looking. There's plenty of word sources online, um, rhyming dictionaries. Uh, I, I was naming... I can never can never talk about what I'm naming. Oh, well, we were naming one time a, uh, it was like a productivity app for work. And uh, we named it Live Hive. So that's a nice lyrical name. So anytime you can rhyme something, it's going to make it last. It's going to make it more memorable. So yeah, rhyming dictionaries are great. There's so many different types of dictionaries, slang dictionaries are really good. Um, so just keep digging around. You never know what you're going to find. Alexandra, at this point in the naming process, is it simple as open up, get an A3 piece of paper, a whiteboard, a journal, whatever it may be, and just you're, you're, you're shaking your head as if the, the answer is no. But- <laughs> Sorry. You lost me at whiteboard. Sorry. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Is this the time where you just create a long list of ideas? Yes. Or is there some is there some mythology we should be applying at this stage? No. Tim, you're you're so you're very insightful. You should come work for me, really. <laughs> or maybe I should work for you. Um, no, the sitting in a conference room, I guess whiteboard I just cringe at because I, I always say sitting in a white room staring at a whiteboard is not where colorful names materialize. And it's not, but but you're spot on saying, just write it all down. So yes, write everything down and don't start second. Here's the problem what people do. They, They think it and they don't even, maybe they type it, but then they go straight to GoDaddy and see if it's available. And if it's not, they're on to the next. They haven't even written it down yet. And then later when they... 
they learn like, oh, you don't need an exact match domain name. They're like, oh, I never wrote down any of those names. I just kept checking GoDaddy. So write everything down. And believe it or not, we don't even look at domain names till the very, very, very end because we're more interested in concepts. Write down concepts. And if you write down an idea and then you do look it up as a name later and it's not available, you still have your idea there and then find a synonym for it or something related to it or nearby um, or a twist on it. So, but, but if you just keep, I think a lot of people just, they come up with one at a time, maybe look for the domain name, but it's better just to like put them all down then come back to your list, look at it again. That will help you. You'll come up with more, giving it a fresh look. And don't start looking everything up until the end, but there's so many different places to get ideas. And, you know, your name, most people spend more time, you know, trying to, well, I don't I don't know, some people, I don't want to say shopping for a pair of shoes, but um, they certainly sometimes seem to put more thought into, will this go with my outfit? Will this go with my outfit? Then will this go with my brand? I mean, it's quite easy to shop. It's easy to shop for a pair of shoes. As a business owner and who is also a consumer, shopping for a pair of shoes is easy because we've done it all the time. Whereas if you are a business owner, you've never named anything. You haven't yet read Hello, My Name is Awesome, which is your book. And every business owner should if they need to name something. Yeah, it, it becomes, you know, hopefully this discussion's making it easier. But right now, naming stuff for most people is quite scary. And they probably don't attach the importance, hence why we're doing this interview. So, so far we've got the creative brief, we've gone to Google Images, we've gone to stock photo libraries, rhyming dictionaries, slang dictionaries, thesauruses, finding words that complement the kind of things that our product or service or business is about. Is there anything else that we could be doing to generate names? Those are some of really my best, better things to do. I mean, just those things alone can keep you busy for weeks, but... One thing that you don't want to do is just start asking everybody's opinion because that's how you're going to end up, you're not going to get a name that you love. You're going to get a name that is mediocre at best and you won't get the right name. You'll get the name that's met with the least resistance. So that's why we give people the subjective of sorry, objective criteria of the smile and scratch test, because then you don't have to ask people, is this a good name? You can go through smile and scratch and see for yourself and then trust your own gut, trust the smile and scratch test, but don't do focus groups because those are very forced um, and false. And People aren't these great judges of names, you know, to sit somebody in a, in a small room and ask, you know, which of these names is more appealing to you. They're not in a store seeing the product on the shelf or they're not seeing your Facebook ad. So it's all very artificial. You're, so, you're very big on solitary brainstorming, from what I can tell. So this is the idea yeah. of probably less is more when it comes to how many people do I involve in the naming of my whatever I'm naming because, and I like that, I think, yeah, unless you give people the brief, the creative brief, the idea of asking family, friends, work colleagues, you know, business partners, what do you think of this name? you're just going to get a subjective answer and that's just no good. So again, the creative brief is incredibly important and the idea of solitary brainstorming is courageous because you're kind of relying on yourself as the business owner to come up with the name. But again, following this process, you're going to have some success. Okay. So we have now, having gone through that process, Alexandra, got a very long list of names. Okay. Um, that could do someone's head in if you didn't know what to do with that long list of names. So is the first step to go and put, what what do you do? Shortlist it down to five and put each one into the, um, what's it called? The smile and scratch test? No. What, what do we do? Yeah. Well, okay. Don't shortlist anything yet. If you learn the smile and scratch us first, you're, so when I'm coming up with names, I might have, or what I recommend to people is have, have a couple columns, right? So when you're writing down, if you already know the smiling scratch test, you're going to know if it 
surpasses that. And then so you'd have, you know, like, yes, maybe, and then sparks are what I call. It's like a spark of an idea. It's not the name yet, but it might lead you somewhere else. Um, so yeah, smiling scratches, but also urbandictionary.com. If you're, you don't want your name to, if you're targeting teens or young adults, you want to make sure your name doesn't have uh, a lot of upvotes that it meaning something untoward. And uh, trademark screening is really important to do. So what I would tell people to do is you can wait on the trademark screens, narrow down your list first, Google it. You know, uh, there's a couple stories in my book about people that didn't Google like other meanings of their names and, you know, where these were really met with disastrous results because their names had other either slang definitions or the meaning of the word was, you know, an infectious disease, for instance, twice, uh, two of those examples in my book. I think there's a great so, case study, correct me if I'm wrong, but when Pepsi launched in China with the tagline, and this was back in the 80s with the tagline, the taste of a new generation, and you know how big the Chinese are on ancestry and all that kind of stuff, the taste of a new generation translated in Chinese or Mandarin to Pepsi will bring your ancestors back from the dead? Yeah, I heard something like that. And Coca-Cola translated to eat the wax tadpole or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's always urban legends and things like that. But I ha- think I did hear that about Pepsi. But I guess that's um, another consideration. If you're a business that is planning to go offshore, then you need to know what shores you're going to be off uh, yeah. and go and test the name in those cultures. Yeah, you want to have it tested by a professional language, uh, brand translation service, and uh, you don't want just one person from that culture testing your name. You want multiple speakers. Just like we all interpret names differently. You want to get multiple people testing it or giving their, their thoughts on it. Um, because, you know, things are subjective, can be subjective. But if it's a literal translation, that's when you can really get in trouble. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to run your name through the smile and scratch test. So do we have time to go through that? Absolutely. Okay. So smile, as I said, is an acronym that ma- the five qualities that make a name strong. The S stands for suggestive. You want your name to suggest something about what your brand is or does or suggest a positive brand experience. So for instance, uh, Amazon suggests very large right? M, memorable. We talked about that. Make sure your name is based in something familiar to people. It will make it much more easy for people to remember than just a a brand new word like Zobni, right? X-O-B-N-I. Like there's nothing for a brain to latch onto there. Before we go on to I, just uh, on made up words, we've touched on them a couple of times. Is it a yes or a no from you in regards to made-up yes, words? Yes, if it's... Yeah, that's a good question. So a couple things on made-up words. So if it's a word that combines two words together, so for instance, Groupon or Pinterest, that's called a portmanteau. I probably pronounced, pronounced, butchered the French pronunciation of that beautiful word. I didn't even try. But if it's natural, so if I say Pinterest or Groupon... Someone should know how to spell it when they hear it. So it's got to do that. It's got to be intuitive to spell and pronounce. And it needs to sound like a real word. So for instance, Expedia, Optima, those sound like real words. In fact, the first time I saw Pentium advertised on a billboard for Intel, I thought it was a real, I thought it was a, on the periodic table of elements and I had just missed it. So that's a really good test. So that's the trifecta, intuitive to spell, intuitive to pronounce and looks like a real word. Great. And that's the I in smile. No, that's us talking about uh, coin names. So made up words. And the I in smile is imagery. So If someone uh, says your name, you want them to be able, or they hear your name, you want them to be able 
to be able to picture something in their mind. So an energy drink named Bloom, for instance, or Rent the Runway. You can picture something, they're very visual, because pictures are easily saved in our, in our brain's dusty filing cabinet so we can recall them later. So that helps with memory. And I'm all for keeping the amount of people you bring into this process to a small group. I quite like the idea of if you are if you have a good graphic designer in your marketing world in your on your marketing team somewhere I imagine they would be a good person to bring into the naming process because they will see things literally see things that you don't you know oh we could use the two e's like you know if yeah. if it was an optometrist and that you know they came up huh? with a word that had two o's in it then that's a pair of glasses and the graphic designer is going to see that and one of my favorite books around this topic is called a smile in the mind which is yeah, basically I know that. a I have book, book. Isn't yeah. it awesome? And it's just, yeah. you know, the ways logos and brands put a smile in our mind by little visual tricks. So I guess my question there is, do you like the idea of bringing a graphic designer in to the early stages of a naming process? I think it's important if a client, sometimes a client on our end will say, well, I can't visualize it. And then I have to say, that's not up to you. Like, let a d- designer can visualize it. Just no more than I can come up with. I Sometimes I can do the clever things. Like I named an eyeglass door and made you look. And I got the, you know, the OO on the look made it into glasses. Um, but yeah, I think a designer is important. But the trick is like when we're presenting names to a client, we don't want to show any logos with them because we don't want people to get distracted by a logo. We want them to just be judging words at that point. But yeah, if a, we know that there's certain letters that designers love. Designers love S's, like anything with a curve to them, O's. Um, other letters are more difficult. So yeah, we definitely know when a designer is going to like like one word over another. Um, but yeah, they can a good identity designer can definitely be helpful. What does the L stand for in smile? Legs and legs means that your name lends itself to a theme. So for instance, if uh, we were naming a woman's uh, public relations business and her name is Lynette Hoy and she was just using her own first and last name, Lynette Hoy PR, and it didn't say anything about her and she was a fiery, really fiery woman. So I named her company Fire Talker PR and gave her the tagline hot on the press because she was really good at hounding them. And she calls herself the fire chief. She works in the firehouse. She has, uh, you know, like her webinar is called, uh, what's it called? Uh, oh, God, I'm spacing on what that one's called. Some, oh, Controlled Burn, I think is one of her package names. Oh, Ignite Your Visibility is her webinar. And then um, when she does a presentation, she starts it off by playing her theme song, which is, the song Fire by the Ohio Players. And think of legs this way. If your name lends itself to a theme song, it has legs. I love it. As well, you know, ZZ Top would be the obvious one to start with there. Um, For those who are children of the 80s, um, you're looking at me very blankly going, what are you talking about? No, what's ZZ Top song? She's got legs. She's got legs. Oh, she's got legs. Oh, I was thinking of the fire talker. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. I hear the fire talker is also um, sliding down a pole to get to her office these days as well. So she's really taken that brand name to extreme. <laughs> that, that, that case study you just gave us is a great example of how a name can then blossom or balloon out into all aspects of your business. It can drive the titles of your employees. It can drive what you call your office building. It can drive, you know, all sorts of things. It's really important because when that starts to happen, I reckon that's when a name becomes particularly sticky when it's infiltrated all aspects of the business. What's the E stand for, Alexandra? 
Uh, just a quick plug for Eat My Words. Our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, the, e, the E in smile stands for emotional. You want your name to make a strong emotional connection with people. And just like, you know, Fire Talker did with you, it made you smile. And that's what, you know, when I say a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head, people like to get things. They like to feel good. And that's what a good name can do. And that's making a strong emotional connection. So the GPS for dogs that we name Retriever, that's... That makes a strong emotional connection. That's so obvious. And that's, a, that's another, I reckon, a great asset test when someone goes, that's just obvious. That's genius. How could a yeah. GPS for dogs be called anything else but retriever? Yeah, thank you. We have got, we've used the smile test. We understand that. We are start, I feel like we're drilling down and shortlisting. Is there a point where we get down to two and flip a coin or? Well, no. Um, okay, you want to run it through smile, then scratch, you know, do you want me to just quickly say what they are without going into great detail? So spelling challenge, scratch it off the list. It's just so problematic. Take my word for it. Um, I have a free mini masterclass on my website that will show you some, a lot of the pains of the scratch, the scratch thing. Um, the C, the first C in Scratch stands for copycat. You don't want a name that sounds like competitive names. It's people just will roll your eyes. You know, why be somebody else when you can be yourself? The A stands for restrictive. Uh, an example of that is if Jeff Bezos had called Amazon Book Barn instead, they would have been restricted to selling books. The A in Scratch stands for annoying. An annoying name is like Zobney. We talked about inbox spelled backwards, things spelled with numbers. It's just annoying. It's annoying. Anything that's going to frustrate, frustrate or annoy people. The second R in Scratch stands for, um, wait, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, there's no second R in Scratch. There's not. The second C in Scratch stands for curse of knowledge. And that's where uh, your name usually means something in a foreign language or it's so foreign to your, you know, your your engineers might know what it means, but your uh, customers won't. So that's curse of knowledge. Only insiders get it. And finally, the H in scratch is hard to pronounce. And we talked a little bit about that too. The spelling challenge and hard to pronounce are the two really big no-nos in scratch. Love it. The smile and scratch test. If you can't get through that, then you are you don't have a good name. So once you are through that and you're down to, th- you, you might not be down to one, you still might be down to two or three. Yeah, go to trademarking and then pick the name that has the cleanest trademark or the, the most clear looking in the crystal ball, like any issues that could arise, pick the one that looks like it's going to be the cleanest that's what we always do, even though sometimes it pains us because we really like another name better. If there's any potential that you know we can see right away for a trademark conflict, we don't want to recommend that name to our client. Alexandra, we are getting very close to where you and I are going to review some uh, names of lucky small business, big marketing uh, Facebook group members. Uh, before we do that, I want to say goodbye to everyone else. If, if those who haven't joined the small business, big marketing tribe on Facebook, I encourage you to do so because there is there are there are membership privileges, and this is one of them. You get your name reviewed by world leading experts like Alexandra Watkins. But for those who aren't in the Facebook group, go to eatmywords.com, which is where you'll find Alexandra's naming business. You'll find a free name evaluation test, mini masterclasses. I would love to speak to you at another time, maybe about the marketing of your business because you've done it so beautifully, Alexandra. You've got a book, you've got these masterclasses. You give away a lot of free value, which I think is fantastic in order to pull people towards you. So well done on that. Thank you. Well, there you go, team. Naming expert, Alexandra Watkins. Do you enjoy that? Did it make you cringe a little when you thought, oh, geez, I wish I'd had that process when I was naming my business? Or maybe you've nailed it. Maybe you didn't know, but you'd actually adhered to her process and got a name you love. Who knows? Only you do. Hey, here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Alexandra. Attention grabber number one. I love the importance Alexandra attaches to a name. Like, I get it. Like, that's the business that she's in, so she's biased, but it is important. And having a great name is ace when you're a business owner. So, 
she's leading the charge in that regard. Well done to her. Attention grabber number two. I love the creative brief process. I mean, this applies to whatever you're having done, whether you're writing a creative brief for a name or a website or an ad or a logo. You've got to get the brief right. But then taking it to the next stage where it's time to name something, I love the idea of then identifying sort of keywords and attributes and going to Google Images or stock photo libraries, slang dictionaries, and actually looking for names in those spaces. Excellent idea. Attention grabber number three... I love the fact that it's never too late to change your business name or your brand name. It seems amazing that that's the case, and I get that there would be an expense attached to it if you have to reprint stationery and signage and merchandise and all that, but, you know, something to consider. If you really, really hate your name, if you really think your business name is dragging you down, then take comfort in the fact that it's never too late. That's what grabbed my attention Write this number down now and call me after the show because I would love to know what grabbed your attention. Call the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline on 0480-015-150. Just like listener, George did. G'day, Timbo. It's George Kudinaris here from Waves Marketing. That's W-A-Y-V-E-S. Uh, just wanted to call and say how fantastic your Facebook group is, the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe. Um, I'm absolutely loving being part of it. There's so many smart people in there, so many great business owners. I learn a lot. Uh, it's great to contribute as well. It makes me laugh. For me as a small business owner, it kind of makes being that business owner slightly less lonely. It's wonderful to share your experiences uh, with others and, and get advice when you need it. I'd just like to say to all the listeners out there, if you're not in it, I think you're probably missing out a bit. Definitely give it a go. Um, it's a wonderful community to be part of. Thanks for doing what you do. Absolutely love the show and um, look forward to many, many more episodes. Cheers. George, thank you so much. And mate, I'm absolutely honoured that you joined the Facebook group and that you are getting benefit from it. It sounded like a paid sponsorship, what you just left. Everyone else listening, I assure you, I, I didn't pay George to ring up and say that. But what he says is true. It's a bunch of motivated business owners just like you, holding each other accountable, sharing marketing ideas and reminding us all that as business owners, we're not alone. So if you're not a member, go over to Facebook, search for Small Business Big Marketing Tribe and upon approval, because there's three questions you've got to answer to get membership, I'll see you on the inside. Next episode, we catch up with a marketer who, having studied some of the great hype merchants of all time, including the likes of Malcolm McLaren, Jesus Christ, and Steve Jobs, I never thought I'd say those three names in the one sentence, now specialises in creating hype for his own clients. In fact, he's written the ultimate book on the topic of hype with the unbelievable title of, and wait for it, The Hype Handbook. 12 Indispensable Secrets from the World's Greatest Propagandists, Self-Promoters, Cult Leaders, Mischief Makers, and Boundary Breakers. It's a great interview. That's coming up next time. Speaking of books with crazy names, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. I genuinely would love to hear what marketing is working for you. So call the Small Business Big Marketing hotline on 0480 015150. And do not worry, I do not pick up the phone. Don't panic. It's your opportunity to leave me a message. If you're loving the podcast, then you'll find 553 more episodes on your favourite podcast app. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed. The music beard written, sung, and produced by Lockie Dolly, who now plays for Roger Waters' Pink Floyd. <laughs> I'm so excited by that. And lovingly Molly Coddled together by producer Dave Zlowinski. Until next time, team, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.